I'm Zach, and I'm still weirded out by the fact that humans are the only other species that drinks another animal's milk. I'm still weirded out by that fact. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> You've never heard that? You never heard that? I've never heard that. I was trying to think of another animal that might drink other milk. I was like, monkeys? Do monkeys drink other milk? No, I, we're the only animal that drinks like another animal's milk. Interesting. I know. And then our milk that we like breast milk is like weird. Like that's oh, yeah. so weird. Yeah, yeah right. To drink that. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's all backwards in my head. Well, I'm Caitlin and I do not drink other animals milk i prefer <laughs> nuts in my milk oh you you get the almond milk okay okay i get you uh-huh. there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of nut milk jokes i could make but we will save that for another time and this is manipulating the masses don't give yourselves to brutes men who despise you enslave you who regiment your lives Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. So, Zach, I feel like we've been hitting some hot button topics lately, especially with our last episode that came out. Um, yeah. I've actually been listening to a couple of our older podcasts and I feel like I'm progressively getting louder and louder. Like I start yelling at like the topic at hand. So (laughs) I'm going to try to take it all the way back and keep my tone even. And I'm going to walk us down uh, some non-controversial campaigns. Uh, and this one is known as the got milk phenomenon of the nineties. I love it. And you know what? We, the social media one, we are both getting fired up. So yeah, that's, it's allowed. Exactly. It's allowed to some degree. We are we are both getting fired up. All right. I mean, I got, I don't got milk. Actually, I take it back. I don't got milk in my fridge. The campaign has faltered with me, you know, it's, it's fell back. Did you try to go for that milk at some point and realize you were out of milk and now you're pissed off? Or do you just never keep milk in your fridge? I really never keep milk in my fridge sometimes, but like, I usually, the only time I really use it is like in coffee. Right, but I'd rather have creamer anyway. Me too. I'm a creamer person. I want to bake a cake this holiday, so maybe I'll pick up some milk to. I don't even know if you use milk in a cake. That might sound stupid, but I just followed the instructions (laughs) on the back end, so I don't know. No, this is so interesting, and the reason I bring this up is because it does. We are going to touch on this, and this is exactly the conversation. Uh, the ad agency had in focus groups when they built the Got Milk campaign. This is exactly what Mm. they found. Uh, So I'm excited to touch on that. The reason I wanted to get into this campaign was really because when we started this whole podcast and when you came to me, you were like, hey, I have this idea for a podcast. I really want to dig into different marketing tactics and campaigns throughout history. And I Mm. immediately, I forget if I said this out loud or not, but I immediately went to the Got Milk campaign. Like that was the one campaign I thought of that was so notable throughout my childhood. And you and your response was like, eh, I was kind of thinking like Cicero or like <laughs> UFOs. 
<laughs> it works both ways. I think, you know, now that we're in it, it does. We were both right, which is totally. the best scenario, right? Totally. Um, so I really wanted to dig into this, but also I wanted to dig into this because I saw a TikTok floating around and this guy, he's like, does everyone remember when we all just used to house milk in the 90s? Like, what was yeah. that all about? Why was milk yeah. pushed on us? And I was like, oh, shit, like, he's right. Uh, mm -hmm. So I really wanted to dig into that. Was your household at 2% uh, whole milk, 1% uh, skim? What was your household? Every household had their, their thing. What was yours? So 2%, but my parents pushed whole milk on me till I was like 18 years old. Like Whoa. I was the one person of the family. Everyone, everyone else got to drink 2% and my parents like made me drink whole milk. I was like grossly underweight in high school and uh. they thought it was like, is it genetics or is she starving herself? We don't know. Yeah. Here's whole milk for you. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were a 2%. Yeah. Good for you. I, we were, we were a 2% family, you know, it was always, I had to like go grocery shopping and pick out the right cap. I remember I got the wrong one one time and my mom was furious so mad that I got the wrong milk. 2% is like the dark blue cap, right? And then uh, I think so. 1% yeah. is like light blue. Yep. <laughs> Look at you. I it's... fucking know whole milk is red. Yeah. <laughs> it's got all the warning whole signs on whole red. milk. So I actually was gonna I was gonna ask you, what's your relationship to milk these days? Did your parents make you drink buckets of it growing up? Do you like your milk straight up on the rocks? Like, do you like soy? <laughs> the rocks. What's your relationship? <laughs> On the rocks. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I was a family. We grew up. I think the campaign worked. Like when we grew up, I always had milk in the fridge. We were 2%. Always a glass of milk with dinner. Nowadays, I rarely drink it. I don't know if it's a thing. Like it might be a thing when you get older, you can't produce lactose in the same way or you can't like, you know, uh, filter it through. So it just messes with me at this point. And I think that's pretty common i don't know why you can do it as a kid i'm not a fucking scientist yeah, but i'm gonna get into that yeah so no i don't drink it anymore i used to like chocolate milk the nesquik the put the chocolate milk in there and mix it up that was my go-to but never who drinks milk on the rocks is that a real thing ice in your milk is that like a real thing? Did you just make that up? I thought it was just me being clever with words. Oh my God, you had me scared for a second. I was like, people drink like a glass of ice milk? What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Okay, well, I don't want to derail this. Yes. This is about milk. We're learning yeah. about milk, people. So I be I began my research into the Got Milk campaign and I started with an article uh, by fastcompany.com uh, okay. And Fast Company's article started off like this. And Zach, let me know if you pick up on anything weird, maybe <laughs> any red flags in the first sentence that you would kind of okay. raise your hand at. Okay. So the Fast Company article started off. In 1993, sales of milk were sagging both in California and nationwide. Milk industry advocates had spent much of the 1980s promising that milk does a body good with an ad campaign focused on its calcium and protein benefits. Consumers uh -huh. knew milk was good for them, but they just didn't care. What do you think of? What do you make of that? Uh, I think it. What the immediate thing, I love the word sagging. I think that works in the sentence, but also 
Uh, Me too. <laughs> uh, but also, I do. I I agree with that because it's like you know, cigarette sales aren't going down, and people know it's bad for them, and they don't care. Like people are just making. It's the same thing with milk. People might know it's good for them, and they just don't give a shit. You know, unless it's easy to buy and you can use it. I I, I right. Don't know. So I think if you read this sentence, you would have picked up on what I picked up on instead of listening to it. I stopped and I said, "Wait a second. Who the fuck are these milk industry advocates? Why does the milk industry have advocates?" I just assume every industry has an advocate. That didn't that blew right past me. I was like, "Every industry that who who the fuck cares?" The good call. I think that's a great call out. That's a great call out. So why does milk have advocates for it? Uh so I was like, you know, just like a stupid analogy. Like I had ravioli last night. Like can you imagine the same conversation revolving around ravioli? Like the ravioli industry advocates are pushing three servings of ravioli a day. Like it sounds fucking ridiculous when you replace any other food group with milk. Chef Boyardee has some sway in Washington. Let's not play it down. Chef Boyardee has his sway. He he has lawmakers in his goddamn chef pocket. Let's not even play about that. I'm fucking with you, Caitlin. Are we joking? Yeah, yeah, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Because I was like, I smell another topic for a different podcast. I'm on it. Uh, Chef Be right back, Googling. (laughs) The SpaghettiOs lobby is really doing their thing. (laughs) So I really wanted to make this podcast lighthearted, but here Mm. we are. I'm about to take down the fucking dairy farms. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to raise my voice. I'm all fired up now. So... I found out that the milk industry is so heavily regulated by the government, Mm. it down to the way they price their milk. The government owns the pricing structure of milk. How fucking weird is that? Yeah. So I dug in, I was like, how did this happen? Um, A big piece of this, a big part of this. And again, this this specific podcast is meant to highlight the campaign of the Got Milk campaign and how we got yeah. there. So I'm not going to go too far into the governmental ownership of the milk industry, uh-huh. but it did start off in World War II. Our government created a huge demand by dairy farms for canned and powdered milk to send to our soldiers overseas. So all sorts of processed dairy products. And this increase in demand led to an increase in dairy production, dairy mm-hmm. over dairy production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and it left America with a surplus of unwanted milk that the US government was responsible for buying back from the farmers, right? Because oh. they kicked off this overproduction and then the US government had to buy back all this milk. So everyone's a little sitting around in in cabinet and looking at each other like what the fuck do we do with all this milk it's gonna spoil so their solution was let's push it to the children let's Uh... push it to the public and that's really how uh milk advertising got its legs back in the 60s 
60s, 70s, they really started this messaging, um, putting milk cartons in school lunches. Oh, you're so fucking right. Making sure that everyone knew that you had to have three servings of dairy a day to be healthy. And they really started promoting that milk equates to a healthy living. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture is the organization that is in charge of our country's nutritional guidelines. Yeah. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is in charge yeah. of our nutritional guidelines. So when the government was saying, I need to get rid of all this milk, the Department of Agriculture was like, okay, homie, I'll help you out. And I'll start recommending consuming three servings of dairy every day, all in the name of health. So that was put into our nutritional guidelines by the US government. The funny part in all of this is you already mentioned this, like you grew into this lactose intolerant individual. Yeah, You are not alone. 30 to 50 million people in the United States are lactose intolerant. The majority of humans in general are lactose intolerant, 60% or more. And that's global. That is not just national. Globally, we are, and and you said it, oh my God, you kicked us off with like, why are we the only species that drinks (laughs) other animals' milk? And it's like, it's clearly not meant to be. (laughs) Our body is like, this is wrong. This is all sorts of wrong. So, you know, not only was this phenomenon happening uh, in the United States, but in India, they started talking about the white revolution where they were getting milk into all the schools. Mm. And in Thailand, they've cited that the average height had risen in China. So Thailand accredited that to milk consumption and and they wanted to raise the height of all their citizens. Oh my gosh. So they started pushing milk as well. All my my homies under 5'8", get the, get on that milk train so are you saying this is are you going to get into this and i can cut this out are you saying that this is Maybe. not true that this that this idea that that it the calcium benefit like to make strong bones because yes. my fucking mom told me that a hundred times a hundred times so yes No, that's really interesting. And I was going to touch on this, but while milk does provide a source of calcium, the government made it the primary source of calcium, right? Like this is how you get your calcium. And this is what happens if you don't ingest calcium. Like you get osteoporosis, your bones break. Like, and that's, that's the tactic of marketing. That's the beauty of it. You get to pick and choose what you want to highlight. And the government was like, wait a second, milk has calcium. I have a, I have a stat here. Milk does not have any more calcium than two tablespoons of basil. What? Basil, basil. Did you know that basil, did you know that calcium lived in basil? No, I had no idea. No. Oh my gosh. Because there's not a basil advocate out there. But there should be. Basil's delicious. But, oh, you're so right. Why? This was supposed to be lighthearted, Caitlin. Now I'm angry again, like the goddamn Department of Agriculture. I know. I know. It all starts with the government. And it starts, it's not only that, like our parents yep. just eat this, like our the boomer generation just like eats whatever they're fed. Like they're just like fed nonsense and they just take it in. Oh, my goodness. 
God damn the fucking government. There wasn't this awareness around the dark side of marketing back Mm. in the 70s and the 80s Mm. and the 90s. Like they didn't have another source of truth. Yeah. And that is, that's truly the dark side of it is you tainted people's opinions because they they didn't have any other options. They didn't have any other knowledge. Yeah. And here we are in the dawn of the internet, the age of the internet, where we can go out and find all of this yeah. disinformation. And that's kind of why we started this podcast mm-hmm. to let people know that everything we're being told is a lie. Or at least has marketing spin, you know, at least everything yes. goes through yes. a filter of marketing before it's released. It doesn't matter if it's coming from a fucking cow or coming from eBay. Everything goes through a filter of marketing before anybody sees it. Exactly. So a little bit more about this calcium, like I I said, two tablespoons of basil has the most, has the same amount of calcium as milk. Like yes, milk has calcium in it, but a hundred other things also Mm -hmm. have calcium in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there weren't those like board of advocates (laughs) for basil walking around at post-World War II. And even the dairy industry recognizes that milk is not essential to health. Uh, They can't counter that. In any argument they've been in, they cannot counter that fact. Their comeback is that milk and milk products are the most convenient form of calcium. Um, But basil, you can throw basil on anything. So fuck them. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And like me personally drinking one glass of milk just to get my calcium, like sounds fucking gross to me. Like that sounds gross. Give me a spoonful of basil straight up. Dude, just crush a calcium pill. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Touche. So let's jump into the campaign. That was a little bit of the history on why we started marketing uh, and this like propaganda around milk. milk. Uh, It's all because the big milk, big milk. (laughs) I love that. So California Milk Processor Board came to be, and this guy named Jeff Manning is kind of the chairman on this board. I mean, fuck, that tells you everything you need to know about the milk industry. The fact that they had to create something called the California Milk Processor Board and have it regulated by the government is just like, this whole industry is just bizarre to me. So Jeff Manning is truly the genius behind the big push for milk. Bad or good, he's the genius behind it. Um, And he's not even in marketing. He was just the chairman of this board. Mm. He hired the ad agency Goodbeat, Silverstein, and Partners. Who, and they're out of SF yeah. to this day. You know, I obviously looked them up. I wanted to see what they, they, they've been up to. Fucking phenomenal agency. Yeah. Like, end goal for MMP would be good B Silverstein and partners. Yeah. Like, but to this day, the milk campaign is still the most successful campaign that they've ever run. But I would also argue it's the most successful campaign of all time. I would say so. It has run for 25 consecutive Ooh. years. Wow. Isn't that That's wild? wild. That's why. I mean, how long has Flo been on? It's got to be creeping like Flo from uh, Geik or uh, what is it? Progressive. Um, she's got to be creeping on what? <laughs> 10 years. Yes. She's got to be creeping on 10, 10? years. It, she's been around a while. Yeah. 25 to double that. Oh, man. Wow. That is a successful yeah. campaign. I just love how you compared it. You're like, what can I compare this to? Oh, I know. Flow. 
<laughs> well, that, I saw her on a commercial the other day, and I was like, how long? Like, it just made me pause. Like, how long have we had these flow commercials? Like, now she's got, like, other people around her. Like, how long has this really she's been going friends. on? Yeah, like, this has been a long-running ad. And now that you say that, like, Got Milk is... It's classic. I mean, even that tagline. Classic. Classic. So um, <clears throat> Jeff Manning hired this agency to really revamp Milk's reputation, uh, which <laughs> in the 80s, it was solely focused on building bones and mm. all of the health benefits and like the calcium and the proteins mm -hmm. and yada, yada, yada. Rather than dwelling on everything that Milk could do for them, they decided to highlight the consequences of going without Ooh, milk. Okay. I know. I love your reaction because it sounds like, oh my God, am I going to die if I go yeah. without milk? No. They're talking about if maybe you're having trouble chewing a dry peanut butter sandwich or a cookie, or maybe you can't enjoy a bowl of cereal. Like these are the <laughs> consequences that he wanted to highlight. <laughs> God. Fuck putting jelly on this peanut butter sandwich. I'm gonna I milk. That's what it needs. But you know, I will I will give him the one on cereal. Like that's a that's a okay. We're gonna run with that one. Like you have you ever tried to eat dry cereal? It's it's not it's just never gonna hit the same. <laughs> Dude, I thought about that too. I was like, they are not wrong. Like by the time I have committed in my head to a bowl of cereal, I've gotten the bowl, I've gotten the cereal. The last step is to get the milk. And if I don't have milk in the refrigerator, like my whole fucking meal is ruined. And now I have to go back to square one and rethink of what I'm gonna eat. Like it is it a is. consequence of not it is. You milk. don't put milk in first in your cereal? You don't put milk in first? I'm fucking you with you know that. who does that that's like a sociopath trait i just <laughs> don't fuck with me <laughs> that's that's the first sign i think i think ted bundy put milk in before his cereal you know that's a that's a telltale totally. sign of a serial killer there <laughs> So Goodby and Silverstein hosted a lot of focus groups and they really heard, they heard someone say, the only time I notice milk is when I run out of it. And, and again, that goes back to my scenario where I'm mm -hmm. like, milk is the last ingredient to my cereal. Yep. And that's yep. when I notice it. So I thought that was so true. I agree. So they decided to put their focus group findings into action right in the office. Uh, and Silverstein emptied the cartons of milk in their company refrigerator. And then he put a hidden camera in the back of their fridge. And then he saw what the uh, what their employees' reactions <laughs> were to not being able or to like getting the milk carton and finding it yeah. empty. First of all, I would just be so pissed off that someone left an empty milk carton. Like that is, that's probably why I would be more Yeah, pissed. they're dumping out good milk, you know? Like the whole thing was this government had too much milk and they're like, we can't just dump it out. And now the, the agency's just dumping out milk. It seems very counterproductive to me at this point. Well, also their whole experiment was to figure out what people's reaction was to not having milk in the refrigerator. And then they leave an empty milk carton. And I'm like, whoever did that, I'm going to be pissed off at then the next employee that did that like so anyways that's not the point of it it's to capture their reaction to finding an empty milk carton in the refrigerator and like these employees went into like hysteria like they were frustrated they were pissed off they would like stomp around the kitchen uh which is just so funny to me because 
first of all, you have to think like it was the, it was 1993, like hidden cameras in the refrigerator. Like how did he even make that happen? First of all. And I just love that experiment of it testing on your own employees. <laughs> let's do it. Let's roll that in. Also, my thing, my thought is what, what are they at work? What are you putting milk in coffee at work? What do you, what do you, what do you I, need the milk for at work? That's my question. That's not a bad question because my thinking was like, oh, they're going to have cereal. But then again, like who brings cereal to work? Like yeah. you're not usually, yeah. Coffee, I guess would be the only thing. Who's going to have a bowl of cereal at work? Like, I don't know. No, if you exactly. eat a bowl of cereal, yeah. your stomach's going to be fucked by lunch. And then you're going to be like, all right, like, what do I got to do this afternoon? I got client meetings and I just got to hold in a bunch of farts. Like, what do you got? What do you got to do? Hey, you are talking about yourself. Maybe this is the 40% of America who's not lactose intolerant. Fair enough. You know, there's still 40% of us roaming around who can tolerate milk. Thank <laughs> Fair you. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And they're all hired at one agency apparently they all just work for that <laughs> yeah for right so uh this you know this evidence that they collected of their employees just like fucking frantically roaming around the kitchen was enough evidence for the agency to present to this california milk processor board mm. again i can't get past that there's a fucking board <laughs> for this. but they presented this evidence thus the got milk campaign was launched mm. Zach, how much money do you think this was 1993? They're about to launch this Got yeah. Milk campaign. Well, how much how much money do you think this campaign would be worth to you? And again, think of it, it, it is the 90s. Yeah, 1990s. 90s, but 90s. I'm also thinking about my childhood experience and driving down the road and seeing billboard after billboard of Got Milk in addition to paying for countless celebrity endorsements. Like that was the crux of the campaign, right? Was having like celebrities with that milk mustache. So I would think in the range, could we say 50 million? Is that too low? Way higher. No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. You guessed oh, way I higher. Oh, I guessed than way higher. Was. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking in modern days, like that's 50 million easily. So, you know, 15 million? Is that? Yeah, 10 million. But I will say that you, um, I want to separate a couple of things. So even though the Got Melt campaign was launched, the celebrity endorsements did not come from the Goodby and Silverstein agency, mm. which all separates. So this campaign had nothing to do with the print advertising. This was just for commercials. Got it. So I'm going to break. Yeah. yeah. And I should have specified that, but it is it's interesting that two agencies attack this differently so the first got milk advertisement aired in 1993 and i'm going to describe it to you please. and describe it to our audience please <laughs> so it featured a historian receiving a call to answer a radio station's ten thousand dollar trivia question who shot alexander hamilton in the famous duel so Oh, the man, yeah. the historian. Do you know? Just out of curiosity. Oh uh, yeah, Burr, Burr shot. Damn, you do know your history. You do I, know your I'm history. I'm a buff. I'm a buff. You know. Plus, I, you know, the musical, but the musical is kind of lame, in my opinion. 
don't at me. I saw the musical and I still had to be like, wait, who's Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> it's because you get your news from social media, Caitlin. <laughs> 100%. So, yes, Zach, you're right. It's Aaron Burr. So this historian, yeah. we see this historian, and he's actually surrounded by an entire museum solely dedicated to the duel. So he's he knows his shit, but because mm. his mouth is full of a peanut butter sandwich, he does not have the milk to wash it down, and his answer is unintelligible. So he kind of mumbles like, um, and <laughs> the DJ hangs up on him, and there's no $10,000 prize. <laughs> he's just, the, the circumstances of him calling a radio station. This is so 1990. You're calling a radio station, chilling, just like mid-bite of a straight-up peanut butter sandwich. Like, peanut have you ever sandwich. had, like, Who that's the that? weirdest thing. Yeah, have you ever had just, like, bread on peanut butter and more bread? Like, I've had it where you have toast and you put a little peanut butter on top. But like, never slap another bread on top of that. What are you? What? That's the part that's really getting me. Like, that's just what? What? Fuck that. Dry bread, peanut butter, and another piece of bread is what Zach what? just cannot handle right now. That's the weirdest. That's the weirdest part to me. Jesus. Oh, man. But no, I agree. Like, I love peanut butter. It's potentially one of my favorite foods or like condiments. And even yeah. I wouldn't eat a peanut butter sandwich. Like what <laughs> psycho is not putting jelly on there? There's so many options. Nutella. Or bananas. Jelly. Yeah, Nutella. Any, yeah. Bananas. Any flavor you know? of jelly, yeah. by the way. There's a hundred yeah. bananas. Yeah. Where's the jelly lobby? Where's the where's the jelly advocates in this conversation? Where are they just sitting by the wayside, letting people talk shit on peanut butter, letting these milk people just get away with murder? Jesus, unbelievable! <laughs> You're not doing your job, jelly lobbyists. <laughs> get to work. <laughs> This is, you might not be able to guess this, but I did, I mean, you fucking know a lot about a lot of weird shit. So I wanted to yeah. ask this to you. I found this super interesting. There's a couple of re really well-known directors uh, to this mm. day. This commercial was directed by a recent film graduate of the Art Center College of Design. Who was it? Uh, uh, you're asking me to pick? Not like, it wasn't like Stanley Kubrick, right? It wasn't like. No, maybe guess like five times. Martin Scorsese? Okay. No. You're close. Spielberg? You're there. Was it Spielberg? It's like we're that's the level that we're talking. Really? So I'll I'll fill in Michael Bay. Michael Bay? Did he really? Did he have like the yeah. milk exploding in the background? Did he CGI the uh, a fucking dragon flying in? Was was the peanut butter sandwich CGI'd? Was that CGI? Did he, that was not a real peanut butter sandwich. He had to put that in post and then it blew up in the background. Michael Bay. All right. All right, man. Yeah. That, good one. Good one. I know that blew my mind. Recent film wow. graduate. So like some just really interesting things happened at the start of this Got Milk campaign. Wow. So what I love, and this is kind of what's still talked about to this day, like from that one 
uh, advertisement in that one commercial, creatives talk about how this ad like really flipped the script on advertising uh, because it starts off with kind of like that dark mood, mm. like what you were talking about when I said, okay, they're going to actually talk about the consequences of what happens when you don't have milk. And you're like, oh yeah. my God, I'm buckled up. Like yeah. what's going to happen? Am I just going to collapse in the street? But no, it's the fact that you like, <laughs> you, I have a dry <laughs> mouth after eating a peanut butter stupid sandwich. So like it totally split this script on advertising and where it didn't explicit, like it sets the scene and it didn't explicitly reveal the product being sold until the final couple of seconds. So you're involved mm. in this historian's trivia game. And then you're like, wait a second, this whole fucking ad was about milk. Oh like, my God. Shook. Pretty genius. Yeah. Pretty genius. A totally genius. Totally genius. Yeah. And something Manning said, and remember Jeff Manning was the chairman of yeah. the California milk processor board he was like nothing the why this is genius is because nothing really except for milk works in this scenario like soda doesn't work gatorade doesn't work water doesn't work the only thing works that works in a bowl of cheerios or that partners wow. nicely with something else that partners with a food group is milk you need milk to finish off your bowl of cereal you need milk yeah. to wash down your cookie you don't need a gatorade you don't need a soda so I thought that was like pretty brilliant too. It's like, it's so interesting that that's, that's what they decided to really harp on yeah. is this like arbitrary fact that you need this to enjoy this food group, which is a staple ingredient of your everyday yeah. you know, routine. Or you could do what my uh, college pregame routine would be, uh, get uh, cinnamon toast crunch and just put a little whiskey in it. <laughs> that works too you also put milk in there or was it just whiskey? no milk in just like a little just give the whiskey like a little cinnamon and you eat like the you know it's like taking a you're giving me weird looks but don't knock that until you try it like the cinnamon flavor from the cinnamon toast no, i'm just trying to just, think of the logistics like did you spoon yeah like just and you just get a little whiskey with the cinnamon toast crunch like not bad not bad it's honestly like it was the original fireball. You ate the bowl of cinnamon toast. Yeah, and let me let me clarify. I'm not saying you equal parts milk and whiskey, like just a little whiskey in there, you know, just like with this some cinnamon toast crunch. I was a broke college kid. That was a way to get fucked up and also eat some delicious cinnamon toast crunch. But you did spoon it out of the bowl and eat yes. it. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah, that's where you lost me, but I, I, I got it. How would it. you do it? You put whiskey in a glass and sprinkle some cinnamon toast crunch on top? How, how would you do it? Yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys did this, um, but like you would put um, like Starburst or Skittles in like vodka and let the vodka kind of soak up the candy flavor. So that's probably the route I would have taken. But yeah, tomato, tomato, we would have gotten drunk just the same. Yeah, exactly. They both have the same end point, but you can't let the cinnamon toast crunch get soggy. You gotta, you gotta do it at the time. You gotta get that crunch. Otherwise it's just cinnamon toast soggy and not cinnamon toast crunch. And you know, you gotta stay true to the brand. Yeah, yeah. you know? Just saying, it's an yeah, option. This maybe, is all really interesting. Maybe little old uh -huh. Jeff never thought of that. But you're you're right, because I thought milk is the substitute for cookies. Milk is the substitute or is the thing for cereal. I was gonna say with the peanut butter sandwich, like water could work. Like I don't that's a bad example for you, J Jeff, 
right? <laughs> okay, but I love how you pointed this out because that is the next leg of this genius campaign is Jeff Manning went to different companies and started co-branding with mm. companies like Oreos, Cereal, yeah. Sesame Street. And, and the co-branding piece of this was really the genius part of it. So he went to uh, you know the board and said, can we license this Got Milk campaign to all these companies yeah. for free and get them to hop on board with this? Because the commercials that they were putting out were already wildly successful. The next leg of this was to get other companies on board Love with that. that. So I thought that was... And we'll kind of touch on that too. It's like the value of co-branding. Mm. And I mean, this day and age, we call it influencer marketing, but like partnering mm -hmm. and collaborating with different people to get your brand and to get your message out there. I think that's the genius of it as well. Are you a, uh, are you a dunker of the Oreos? Or are you a twist off Oreo person? Dunker. Okay. Okay. Tomato, tomato again. How about you? Uh, I'm a twister. Oh, you're a twister. a twister. I like, I like eat the center. Oh. Then you dunk like the cookie part of it. But yeah, you, you twist first, twist first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you have like one wasted dry cookie. Well, no, you just right? put the cookies back together and dunk it in and then you just eat the cookie afterwards. <laughs> we're, we're learning our eating habits today, Caitlin. You and I are, are, are really yeah. dissecting milk. This is what milk does. It just makes you dissect your eating habits. This is what milk does. Yeah, fuck you, Department yes. of Agriculture. You don't own my life. Fuck you. You're the lobbyist won this one. So as I mentioned, like they started partnering with Oreos and Cheerios free of charge. Free of charge. Mm. Ch uh, all of these big brands were uh, taking their slogan because they licensed to it them to for free uh, and yeah. running with it and creating their own campaigns to piggyback off of this wildly successful oh, Got Milk genius. commercial. Barbie, they got Barbie involved. And then they landed Cookie Monster on Sesame Street, which was oh. the big get for them. Because Sesame Street at the time, I don't know if it is today, but it's a nonprofit company. Uh, yeah. It produces Sesame Street. And the organization told Manning, we do not promote brands ever. But Manning said, well, Got Milk isn't a brand. It's a category. This is milk. Milk isn't a brand. Yeah. And this is why I mean, bones are strong. And this is what is good for kids. And Sesame Street was like, oh, you know what? You're right. Let's run with it. And so they got Cookie Monster. Huh. And this was the first brand, which wasn't actually a brand, to partner and collaborate with Sesame Street. I don't know what Sesame Street does now. I feel like they partner with a lot of brands, but I could be wrong. My, my question is, was Cookie Monster a character on Sesame Street prior to this? Or did did they work with Sesame Street to create Cookie Monster? Oh, I get where you're going with that now. That's a great question. He was already a character on Sesame Street. I almost called it Cookie Street on Sesame Street. But <laughs> can you imagine Street. if they got, I mean, what a great partnership, Cookie Monster. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, can you yeah. imagine if they got Sesame Street to create a like a, a whole character for milk, that would be wild. That would be incredible. Like that would be incredible. I love that. So this is where the two campaign ideas split. So we talked about the commercial and we talk about all this co-branding, but then this other fucking board, the milk processor education program, it's called the milk 
P-E-P. Right? Like, what can we, blows my mind? Can we pause? Is that, So you're telling me there's now two milk boards? There's two? More. Way more. Way more. Way more. These are the only two I'm going to talk about. But, like, there's a, there's a board for pricing structure of milk. There's a board for figuring out how much fat goes into the milk and regulating the processing. Like, it is wild oh how much God. the government is regulating our milk intake. Oh my God, you know too much about this. You're gonna be a blast at your Thanksgiving dinner. You should just like let everybody know all the, all the milk. I'm the already milk a blast. Like, <laughs> my family, I, I had an early Thanksgiving uh, last Saturday and my family like is from the country, like they're, they're, you know, yeah. born and bred, like meat eaters. They and they give me so much <laughs> shit for being a vegetarian. And like, uh, so I got railed at Thanksgiving, just not being able to uh, eat the turkey. I can't imagine if I just like put my steak in the ground on the milk conversation. <laughs> I would have gone exiled. I think you should give it a shot and just be like, did you know? <laughs> processing board. So the milk processor education program, the yeah. national arm of milk processors, decided <laughs> it was time to do some messaging of its own. So the group hired another agency called Bozell Agency. Okay. Um, they're out of Omaha, Nebraska, which is uh, oh. kind of wild to me. Like, I didn't think anything yeah. happened interesting in Nebraska. You're, you've been talking shit about a lot of states. Last one was Texas. This one's uh, Nebraska. Nebraska listeners, you're 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 just fine. Omaha is like you're welcome here. Damn it, I was you're gonna try here. to say no, something nice nice about Omaha. I literally know nothing about Omaha, so I tried. You know, I tried. I just thought like Nebraska is kind of an oil machine, right? Like that's where we get our oil oh, from. So uh, no, I think it's uh you've clearly never driven through Nebraska. It's corn, 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 corn. Nebraska, they're the yeah no Nebraska is the corn tons of cows people but you know you don't think there. that there's an ad agency there who's creating the next level of uh, milk campaigns like yeah not off the top of my head i would have never guessed that so these were the people who created the milk mustache campaign that we mm. are so familiar with especially growing mm -hmm. up in the 90s so the first campaign that they launched with was the legendary naomi campbell and in the 90s you're like, she is at the top of the model charts. Like yeah. she's at the top of the game, supermodel. And they launched this campaign with her, which again, I thought was just so brilliant because you have the like creme de la creme of human being. And yeah. then you put a milk mustache on here on her kind of making it seem like, hey, this is more interesting and emphasizing its wholesomeness and also like getting a fresh, beautiful face involved in this. So that was the first ever milk mustache was Naomi Campbell. Can I ask you a question? Because uh, you have experience in these photograph shoots and production coordination. How many times did they have to reapply her milk mustache? Do you like what's the logistics of a photo shoot and keeping a, a clean milk mustache going? Do you do you think she drinks it before every shot? Do you think it's like not really milk, but it's just like placed in there? Like what are what do you think the logistics of that were? I meant to look this up, but I ran out of time before this because my assumption is it's definitely not milk. Right? I didn't think so either. No. 
It's and they're just like applying something. There's a lot of fun photo magic that maybe we can get into. I was just gonna say I would be I'd be hilarious to be on set if they had Naomi Campbell just chugging milk every like I just imagine the photographer like yeah take another sip she's like knocking it back. Oh, that'd be amazing. And just like the uncomfortableness of drinking a glass of milk over and over and being a supermodel. And you're oh. just like, I don't feel fucking sexy right now. Like, oh, yeah. No. So as you know, like the milk campaigns got A-listers uh, and I'll list a yeah. few that this article highlighted, but Harrison yeah. Ford, Britney Spears, Kate Moss, Dennis Rodman, Christy Yamaguchi, Patrick Ewing, Joan Rivers, the Hanson bros, the Simpsons, Whoa. Kermit the Frog. Like they were touching on every single piece of celebrity culture, you know, from uh, someone like Harrison Ford would probably attract parents versus like Kermit the Frog. You have children like yeah. everybody was involved in this milk campaign i was gonna say i like that you just casually blew by the hansons like you just like listed them off like they you know just like all of these a listers hansons uh simpsons nice they man they had that like blue brought me back i was like the hansons oh the fucking hansons. Totally. like okay i'm with the it hansons. okay bop baby Bob, a they mopped their way into that ad. Is Sarah Michelle Geller, who was that kind of like the top of the food chain in the '90s, oh, uh, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm -hmm. and she <laughs> she uh, was stated saying to follow in the footsteps of so many legends is truly an honor she says via email it really started a national conversation about drinking milk something i don't think <laughs> people gave much thought to other than for coffee and drinking cookies <laughs> added to the national conversation of milk oh sarah michelle oh thank you for adding that there was just like a national conversation that took place i mean okay i laugh at first but maybe she does have a point because like i like i'm thinking no. back to my childhood no. No, let me let me let me defend her for a second. Let me defend Sarah Michelle here. Getting back to it, our my parents would regularly talk to me about milk and how the benefits and what needs to happen and why I should be drinking milk all the time and it's going to give me strong bones and it's going to help me grow. All of the things that we've classified as like pseudo-ish science this campaign contributed to that so i mean I, I it's a stretch but i can see it that's why we laugh at that because she's talking about it like it started a national conversation about <laughs> cancer like she's talking about it like this needed to be talked about you guys thank god the milk campaigns came around because we needed to start talking about drinking milk with cookies like Give me a break. We're promoting milk. Like, you might as well be like taking it as seriously as if it was Coca Cola. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. it's comical how serious this was. Another really interesting thing, and I'm skipping ahead, but I just find this so yeah. comical. Like, there were no shortage of celebrities willing to participate in this campaign. Oh, yeah. And they got paid $25,000 per ad, which was chump change compared to what they that they are usually making. And Zach, yeah. typically the celebrity would just donate that money 
to charity. So I just find it like, again, just so unbelievable that this campaign came out to sell a product and all these celebrities were duped into believing that like, this is good. Like I'm doing the national uh, population a, a solid by promoting oh. milk. And then I'm going to donate this money to charity because you know, this is a charity I'm doing. I'm giving yeah. away my image. So I want to give away this money. Like, can you imagine if they got paid $25,000 to promote Coke? Like they'd be like, yeah. LOL, I'm worth way more than that. And I'm keeping that yeah. money. Like I'm not donating yeah. it. So it's just so funny to me. So they thought of it more like a public service announcement, like a PSA. Like they treated it yes. like we're, we're doing a PSA for everybody. That's exactly right. So let me ask you, who, what Got Milk campaign do you remember the most growing up? Like who was the endorser? Like who was on it? What comes to mind when you think of Got Milk campaigns? What comes to mind? I'm a big Chicago sports fan. And he, they had the Chicago Bears had this middle linebacker, Brian Erlocker, who was like beef of a dude. And I just distinctly remember seeing his Got Milk commercial and being like, badass like that's badass michael jordan i think might have done I... one so uh i think i vaguely remember maybe dennis rodman you mentioned him like i remember him on it too like he was a chicago bull so it was all like the sports characters because i wanted to be an athlete so i saw them drinking milk and i'm like yeah 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 i'm all about that i love that you mentioned that because i remember the olsen twin oh. like so vividly yeah i know I know what they were wearing. I know what their hair looked like. I know how they were posing, Zach. Like this is ingrained in my head. I know how they were posing and how they were leaning on each yeah. other. Like, and it's interesting because you wanted to be an athlete and I was more in the like realm of like being an actress yeah. or model or yeah. something to do with photography. So I was picking up all the female characters mm. that were around my age, maybe a little bit older. Interesting. They hit everybody. I mean, that was, that's the genius part. They hit everybody. Annie Leibovitz photographed more than 180 of these ads. Wow. Um, do you know the name Annie Leibovitz? No, it does ring a little bell, but I'm not going to pretend to know too much about it. Yeah. I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't expect you to know the name. I thought maybe you might, but she is like the most notable female photographer, especially in fashion. Uh, mm. She like covers every single Vogue cover. Like she is oh, Vogue's yeah. go-to photographer. And so she ended up shooting these campaigns and when she not only wanted to shoot them, but she wanted to make sure that nobody else could shoot them. That it's the type of potential that she saw in these campaigns. Huh. So, and they're stunning. Like she is a fucking phenomenal, brilliant photographer. Yeah. Like I said, just one of the most notable female photographers, uh, if not male photographer, like if not the, one of the most notable photographers in general she shot 180 of these ads, which also kind of blew my mind because that means there was 180 celebrities signed up to do some of these ads. Like who was left? <laughs> who was left at that point? Nobody. They, they did want to cover Nobody. all bases. And you know, like listening to this and like convincing celebrities to do a PSA, like, you know, what makes me mad just like tying it back to recent times is why couldn't they do this shit for COVID? Like, where was the advertising campaign behind wearing masks? We just did the anti-vaxxers. Where's the advertising campaign around getting vaccinated where you incorporate, like, these fucking 
high profile people like dude take a note out of yeah. got milk for when it really fu- when yeah. you really need a psa like fuck man now i'm back to angry yeah. we were having so much fun and yeah. now i'm right back to angry <laughs> <laughs> So one, I will say that all subjects had to be milk drinkers, which is kind of just a fun fact. Like, how do you prove that? I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, do they, do they raid your fridge? Do they do a little cribs episode before you get in there? And they're like, here's in my fridge. And then if they see milk, they're like, all right, you're cool. Let's, let's get you in this campaign. (laughs) They had to be a milk drinker. Had to be a milk drinker. And I think one example would be uh, my Whoopi Goldberg example. She really wanted to be in these campaigns. And of course, Whoopi in the nineties was like also in top of her game and they wouldn't allow her to be in the milk campaigns. But when milk came out with a lactose-free milk, Whoopi was the first to be called. So she oh. did participate in the lactose-free ads. Uh, so just kind of something oh. interesting. They wouldn't let her if she's lactose intolerant? Like, what are they trying to... What are... The, you're, you're blocking out 60% of the nation. You're blocking out 60% of everybody. True. You're cutting them off. I think that's actually one of the good things about this marketing mm. campaign where they are promoting people that actually drink yeah, the product. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other marketing campaigns, like don't give a yeah, fuck, you know? Yeah. So I'm with you there. I, I don't know. They probably didn't do that with that in mind, but uh, I did think it was um, worth it. Fair noting. enough. So that's the big got milk campaign. That's kind of where we started. We started with the government. Silverstein and Goodby came on, uh, did a bunch of films with Michael Bay, who fucking knew. And then we are at uh, the Got Milk campaign uh, advertisement as we know them. Uh, It's also worth noting that these ads printed at a time uh, where 9.4% of all U.S. advertising dollars were spent on magazines Mm. uh, compared to uh, 2015 when only 6% was spent. So a big push for magazine spends, Annie Leibovitz being the top tier photographer shooting that. So, but Zach, you're probably wondering, being a data guy, did this work? That was literally my, you know me too well, that was literally my next question. I was like, did you look at the milk sales? Did you look at all of that stuff? Okay, hit me. (laughs) Milk sales. Statistical data indicates that the milk mustache campaign did not influence long-term behavior. Mm. And we say long-term behavior, and I think this is kind of going back to our subliminal messaging camp uh, podcast, where we talked about them flashing, like, drink a Coca-Cola. Potentially, people will drink a Coca-Cola upon reaction of seeing that, but the long-term behavior just isn't there. So... They're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars creating this campaign, you know, and I'm just to say like that $10 million budget that I threw out, that was the initial campaign to recreate this for over 25 years. I mean, 25 times 10 million, is that a billion? Like we're at a billion dollars by now. You need a spreadsheet, but- 100 million? No, 250 (laughs) million, but you're you're, you're there, you're there. Your spreadsheet, yeah. $250 million is what we spent on this milk campaign. Also the California board processor milk, whatever the fuck, 
where did they get $250 million? Yeah. Like, why is the government spending $250 million pushing milk when they could be fucking spreading vaccines? I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, I think you're right. They got that money from the government, government grants to that. And it, you brought up a point that when you told me we were doing this, I thought about this is, you know, growing up with all the milk, I didn't know all the details, but growing up having milk so heavily incorporated into our diet as Americans, when I spent time living abroad, not the case at all. And it is so interesting that like the, the area or whatever your country produces or whatever you kind of produce within your own borders of your country is prioritized in your diet. Wheat and milk are the big ones in America because that's our big production is wheat and milk. And it's very interesting that the government, so I could see why the government would put so much money to this because we are the producers, large producers of milk. They want us to buy American milk so then they can, they, they can make money, you know, um, it makes sense when you kind of look at it that way. Yeah, so to throw some numbers at you, it, it didn't influence long-term behavior. Um, over a 30-year period from 1970 to 2010, milk consumption declined nationally from 28.6 gallons to 20.9 gallons. 20.9 gallons like per person? Exactly. That's what I was kind of questioning myself. I didn't actually have like a like a through the year. I mean, unit there. that makes sense. Like if you say 20 gallons like per person for the whole year, right? Like at the average American I 20 gallons over the course of a year. That that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't drink anywhere close to, tw I barely drink a gallon, like yeah, nowhere close. Here. Nope, not even close. And there's a couple of dairy dairy uh, producers that have gone bankrupt in 2015. Um, oh. So we are seeing a massive decline in sales and yep, and people are going bankrupt. So even in California, where the dairy industry is a multi-billion dollar business, milk, milk sales are dwindling. And there are mm. reasons uh, for this competition. Like there's non-dairy alternatives that have really started to pick up steam in the last couple of years. People yep. are switching to healthier lifestyle choices. That's interesting that people, are, they're, they're crediting the decline in milk to people switching to healthier life choices because the initial thing was milk is healthy. Milk is, milk is part of a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet. And yes. now that people are actually yes. switching to healthy lifestyles, we see a decline in milk, uh, all marketing, all marketing. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Thanks for listening. Do you think we messed up somewhere? Let us know about it by joining our Facebook group, Manipulating the Masses podcast.